Well, my name is Chad, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. It's just a blessing to, to be able to be here and to share the word of the Lord. We are, I, I turned to my wife last night, and um, if you've noticed, we've, we've had this pioneer handout for like six weeks. We're going to finish the thing today. Everyone say, finish, finish. And uh, uh, <laughs> that's what's so hard with me. Uh, you know, you write all this stuff, but then it, it, uh, it's easy to just go on to the next thing. But I, I really want to finish this, this journey of the pioneer. Um, I just encourage you so I don't have to waste time in the introduction. <laughs> go listen to all the talks of the last five or six weeks. Amen. <clears throat> and you'll get your feedback or your uh, introduction. But we've been following this man called Abraham who is, for all intents and purposes, sort of the the mold of all pioneers, those who would leave the familiar and embark on a journey of faith, finding that there are tests, there are sacrifices, there are obstacles, there are barriers, there is great adversity to keep pioneering into the voice and the purpose and plans of God. And you could just read the narrative from Genesis 12 to 25-ish and you'll see the, the narrative arc of this pioneer, this man who is really the father of faith, Romans 4, Galatians 3, that God didn't start with Abraham here. He started here, and he took him on a journey. How many are thankful the Lord knows where each of us is at on that faith journey? And what God is calling someone to your right or to your left may not be what he's calling you to, but he's calling all of us to pioneer, which is to walk by faith in the promises and purposes of God, no matter what we see with our natural eye. And so here we see, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of the most significant chapters in the Bible in Genesis 22. We see Abraham who's made it through leaving his house, his home, and his family, and, his, and his embarking on a journey that he didn't know where the end destination was already. How many of us would say, I'm sort of obsessed with having my A to Z figured out before I step out and move, but how many today who have walked with the Lord know that's just not how it is? He doesn't always, we know the end, that he's going to come, the new Jerusalem, new creation, but how we partner with God in his redemptive story, we don't always know the third step, but he will always give us our next step. Our next step. And many of us, I'm convinced, we're afraid to pioneer. I'm talking to Chad here. I'm talking to myself. I'm afraid to take the first step because I'm already thinking that the fifth step, but the Lord's like, we'll get there when we get there. Just obey me now. Step into it now. And in this regard, many of us have heard sort of, uh, how many have heard of the phrase blind faith? How many know, biblically speaking, faith is not blind. Faith is, it's manifest through concrete action. In fact, the Greek word pistuo, it, the reason it's hard to translate faith in English, because it's not just faith as in mental assent to this confessional reality of the orthodox claims of Jesus and his kingdom. Faith is to live by believing in. 
We don't have it, all right, Gene, Mr. Greek. I mean, we don't, we don't, there's not a great way to translate pistuo because it's not just faith, I believe, and it's some invisible. It's faith, I'm living by believing in a person and his purposes and his promises, relying on his power and his provision every single step of the way. That's faith. So faith is not blind. Faith is demonstrated through concrete, often difficult, scary, come on, somebody, risky costly steps, this is what faith looks like. Faith is not blind. I know what you're believing in by looking at the fruit of your life and vice versa. Amen. And so we see Abraham, the pioneer of faith, every single step, every time God wants to go deeper, it's a deeper yes that God is looking for in the heart and life of Abraham. And that yes is always with concrete actions in real time. Does God know the end from the beginning? Yes. But as we'll see in this story, God, God, in the testing of Abraham, when he, when he calls him to go up the mountain and to sacrifice his son Isaac, it's the, one of the most crazy stories ever, we see God being pleasantly surprised by the faithfulness of Abraham. We're going to get there. When God is moved, in other words, God is moved when we so take him at his word that there is nothing off the table. If he says it, we are in wholeheartedly, no matter the cost, no matter the circumstance, season, or situation, this moves God's heart in the most profound kind of way. A yes. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Verse 1. Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. If, if you've tracked it all, Genesis 12, Abram, leave your home, your family, your, leave all the familiar, let's go on a journey. In a same, similar way here in the first three verses, we see the narrator, the storyteller of Genesis, cueing us in on that this is like his first calling, but different. That was leave your home, leave the familiar. Now it's take your son, your only son, whom you love for the greatest test that yet that you've embarked on. And here's what I want to say. As a pioneer, as one who chooses to say yes to the journey, the adventure, the quest of faith, your love for God and living in light of his love for you is the greatest adventure you could ever take. In fact, what we'll see in this story when God calls him to lay Isaac down, the one through whom he was going to bless all of the nations, we realize that the thing promised is seldom the thing. There's always something behind the thing called the person of God who loves us and who loves to be loved in return. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, everyone say third day. That sounds familiar all throughout Scripture. Third day. Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to the servants that he brought, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. 
And we will worship, and then we will come back to you. I was reading one commentary. It's so significant how, how intense this test for Abraham is, and Isaac for that matter, that the, the, the storyteller says he has two servants and he brings them only to leave them behind. Which is to say, every pioneer, yes, we pioneer together, but each of us is going to be called up the mountain to have a reckoning with the Lord. He brings the servants, but the story, why, did, why would you tell us he brings servants only to leave them behind? Which is to say he's a master storyteller to, and to heighten the intensity of what's actually about ready to take place. No one can answer the place of ultimate allegiance and affection in your heart but you. No one else can. I can't look to you. I can't look to you. God calls each of us up that mountain for a reckoning. How deep does our yes go to his word and to his voice? Interestingly, If you study your Bible, this is the first time the word worship is used in all of Scripture. Just read it. In 22 chapters, first occurrence of the word worship, which you've heard of the rule of first mention or the law of first mention. This will forever set the trajectory of our understanding of what kind of worship moves the heart of God. Let's go up the mountain, boy. We're going to go worship servants, but don't worry, we'll be back. Feel the tension. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, oh, I can imagine this exchange with one of my sons. Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? How many know when you pioneer and you choose to live by faith, it don't always make sense to those around you, even those closest to you. Come on, some of you understand that. Maybe you're pioneering. Like I said, you're pioneering for a new storyline for your family tree. Like, you're weird. Why are you walking by faith in this visible guy who died? You're crazy. I want you to know God sees you in that space, in that place. Abraham answered, truthfully, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar arranged the wood on it, he bound his son, the only time that word is used in all of scripture, bound his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. I replied, he replied, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know, everyone say that, now I know. One more time. Now I know that you fear God. And here is worship's definition. Because you have not withheld from me. In his case, your son, your only son. This is the first occurrence and encounter with what we understand as worship. There's been altars that have been built since Genesis chapter 4. Obviously, there's Abraham. Didn't, the, the covenant is, sort, is new. It's unfolding with Abraham. So they don't have all of the sacrificial systems yet. That comes later in the next few books of the Old Testament. 
And so, but there's at least a familiarity with sacrifice and burnt offerings because of Abraham's upbringing and the, the nations around him. But significantly, and it's true that God is om, omnipotent and omniscient. He's everywhere, has all knowledge and all power. But there's something that happens in real time when people actually put their full wholehearted worship and faith in God that still surprises God. The theological question, but God knows he's the Alpha and the Omega. But in verse 12, it's pretty stinking clear. Now I know. Everyone say, now I know. Which is to say, it's almost like God on the journey with Abraham and Isaac, his only son, the son of the promise, the one in and through whom the nations would be blessed. When God sees that Abraham, this man who's been tested and tried and failed and faltered, but he stays up in the middle of night in the fear and the darkness of Genesis 15, he goes through the gauntlet of Genesis 17 in the covenant of circumcision, that, that cutting away of the flesh, that call to live wholeheartedly and to walk before him in a blameless manner, the braving the reality of giving given the promises that the nations will be blessed through his offspring, but him and Sarah's barrenness and inability to fulfill the purpose of God for their life. And then finally, the, the visitors who come and say, Sarah, you're going to have a kid. And she laughs, and they name him, he laughs. And every single one of us, I'm so glad we're a part of a he laughs storyline. I love that. Come on, how many have just giggled when you saw, oh, there's no way I saw that coming. How did God do that? He laughs. He laughs as in every pioneer storyline because he uses people like us. As soon as Abraham raises his hand and he. Listen, the enemy tests us so that we'll fail. God tests us so that we'll prevail. When God tests Abraham, many of us don't know where to put that theologically because we just think. God's a genie in a bottle, does everything we want. No, he has plans and purposes, and he tests us so that we'll prevail, so that we'll come through the test with fire in our eyes, with, with the faith that's been refined like gold, and it's more precious and more valuable than any commodity on the planet. A faith that has been tested and tried and found true. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God. Because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Worship is withholding nothing and giving everything to God. Let's go worship, boy. Worship was concrete. Faith was demonstrable and visible and tangible. It looked like laying the son of promise and being prepared to slay him if God said to do so. I love one commentator said this, God didn't experience the quality of Abraham's faith until it was played out on the stage of history. God did not experience the quality of Abraham's faith until he saw the knife raised over the body of his son. Now I know. Stop. You passed, dude. You know that obedience to my word and my voice is the thing that moves my heart. And it's the posture of life 
in and through whom I can bless the nations. And I want you to know that heart of withholding nothing and giving everything is still the primary posture from which pioneers live by faith and conquer giants. Withholding nothing. God didn't experience the quality of his faith until it was played out in concrete on the stage of history. My question is, what are those things in your life? What is your Isaac? Let's get practical. What is that thing that you're like, God would never ask? I mean, this is just mine, that God's like, no, I want that. Not because I'm grumpy or grudgy, but I know that the thing, there's a thing behind that thing that's a deeper issue here. It's like Jesus looking at the rich young ruler. Is wealth a bad thing? Is wealth a bad thing if you love it and rely on it more than the God who gives wealth? It's the same exact principle. Sell everything. He loved him, Mark 10. But I know there's a thing between you and I that will always be a thing. You may think you squashed it, but it'll manifest in some other behavior, some other idol, some other ideology. We have to talk about the issue of preeminence, the issue of allegiance, the issue of worship. Now I know, he tells him. Don't do it. I got a ram. I've got provision. I've got a sacrifice for this exchange. And I just, you just, you have to see this. I preach the gospel every week in some way, shape, or form. It's the good news of what God has done in and through Jesus. Unlike Abraham, there would come another son. When the devil tempted Jesus, in his, right when he started his earthly ministry, and Satan tempted him with a version of Abraham's promise, all the kingdoms of the earth I will give you if you bow down and what? Come on, look at the language. If you just worship me, I'll give you all the nations. I'll, I'll give you all of their power that's been given to me. And look what Jesus said as a response. Jesus said to Satan in Matthew 4, Away from me, Satan, for it is said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. For Abraham, the father of faith, worship meant withholding nothing, including the life of his only son. For Jesus, when he combats the enemy's temptation, when he's depleted, he's exhausted, he hasn't eaten or drink for 40 days, he's weary, he's got the declaration ringing in his spirit. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well Please, this is, the, this is the thing that sustained the son in the wilderness. And here he is in a moment of weakness. Not at his best, at his lowest. And the enemy says, all of those promises, the promises of your father Abraham, I'll just give you the nations if you'll bow the knee and worship me. And he's like, no, away from me. But here's the thing. Jesus knew that in order to maintain faithful worship to the father, it would cost him his life. Because worship is withholding nothing and giving everything. The worship that Jesus speaks about is not, I'm going to be a faithful participant in the synagogue and sing the songs and do the, do the stuff. The worship, the storyline that Jesus is a participant and fulfiller of, he knew when he spoke those words, and my worship of the Father is going to take me up a mountain. It's going to take me to a place of deep sacrifice, but it's the hour for which I was born. 
The worship that the, the Son, Jesus, would give the Father would be the complete surrender and offering up of His own life. The hour has come, Jesus said, for the Son of Man to be glorified. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me where I am. My servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. This declaration in John 12 was carried to completion in John 19.30 when Jesus said, it is finished. Unlike Isaac and the ram, the lamb substitute from the thicket, Jesus was the substitute. Amen. Jesus is the substitute. The storyline goes on. Abraham looked up after he said, I see your faith, don't do it. There in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Say that with me, instead of his son. One more time, instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Now, I don't speak or, or, or read Hebrew, but I have access to great material. At the end of Genesis 21, we find the God who's called the God, the everlasting one, the God who has the big picture in mind. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who has the big vision, the big picture? He's, he, knows, he knows what's happening. He knows where it's going. But this phrase, the, the, the name that Abraham calls the Lord in this place, the Lord will provide, it's, it's a, a, a better way to translate it is that the Lord is in the little itty-bitty details. Amen. How many take comfort in knowing there is, a, there is the, the everlasting one, the Lord who is in all things, and he sees in from the beginning. But how many are really thankful when it gets really, really tough? There is a Lord who will provide in the little minutiae detail when you don't know what your next step is, but on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I swear by myself, the Lord called the second time from heaven. That because you've done this and not withheld your son, your only son, ten times the word son is used in this one story. It's the main point. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of cities of their enemies and through your offspring, singular, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And here's the phrase that just gets under my skin. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Hold on, let's go there for a second. I want him to provide on the plains. Come on, somebody. Can't he just provide and from the comfort of my lazy boy? You all know, I gotta know what I'm talking about. Can he just provide when I sort of obey at arm's distance, arm's length? Can I, can I, can't he just provide when I stay here in my com compromise and complacency? Can't he just provide like when I'm just chilling and letting other people do the thing and go up the mountain and be religious and crazy? No, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You got to ascend the hill. You have to go up. You've got to go in. The story of faith is a story that you're invited into. But on the mountain, it's provided. How many of us, we carry these promises, these hopes, talking to this guy, 
But I want him to do it from a distance. But he's like, no, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep ascending. I will provide when the sacrifice is complete. On the mount, say it with me, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You lay down that which is most precious to you. There you will find the unlimited potential and provision of the Lord. Can anybody say amen to that? Do you understand? Many of us, I want him to provide here, but we won't trust him. We won't go all in. And he loves us and he's, we're on a journey. But I'm telling you, he'll keep circling back to this conversation until there's breakthrough in it. He just will. He'll just keep coming back. Hey, what about that thing? Put it on the altar. What about that? Your title, your, your rep. Put it on the altar. On the mountain is where you'll find the provision. Not on the plains of I'll try it someday or get around to it when I feel like it. Or maybe God could just do what he wants through somebody else or whatever our excuses are. No, it's on the mountain that we will see the provision. So significant, this exchange between God and Abraham Yes, it starts with God tested Abraham, but I'm convinced not that God tests himself, and obviously we're commanded not to test God except for in in, uh, Malachi 3 with the tithe and the storehouse. That's a different, stay focused. But I'm convinced that this story, yes, it's about Abraham and Isaac and withholding nothing and what worship really is and how deep we're willing, how high we're willing to go in carrying the promise. And, but to me, what moves me arguably most is the God who chooses and genuinely is surprised when he finds out those he calls the pioneer and walk by faith. When they withhold nothing, I'm convinced nothing moves his heart more. Verse 12, now I know. Oh, look, those those. Those disciples of my son at Cornerstone Church, they're saying yes to pioneering. I can't believe they really are trusting my word and my promises. I just can't just, I, my heart is so moved. I just want, I mean, I just think about the Lord. But this exchange is talked about multiple times in the New Testament. James chapter 2 What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. James, the brother of Jesus, like, remember those people who say they have faith, but yet they're not willing to take a concrete step of obedience towards the one who is faithful and calling us to pioneer and to walk by faith. James says invisible faith is not a thing. He says, remember Abraham. His faith, everyone say his faith and his actions working together. 
Where is faith calling you? Just ask right now. Where is God calling you to pioneer, to walk by faith, to lay your Isaac down? Where is God challenging you in the place of worship, that place of faithfulness and fidelity to his voice and his word? You may think, Chatty, who am I and what could I possibly pioneer? Does my yes, does my worship that we just defined in this story really matter to God? And I want to say, yes, it matters. Why? You bear his image. Your yes matters. Your partnership, you walking and living by faith matters. Did you know that as the darkness increases, so will the faith of the faithful this is the victory, 1 John 5, 3, that has overcome the world, even our faith. And I pray that the Lord would take us as a church in this next leg of our race into a pioneering mode that if he says it, we'll believe it. And our belief in his promises will turn into concrete actions and steps of yes, yes. Yes, yes, together. And who knows? You pioneering, you choosing to say yes to the promise and purpose of God for your life, for your family, for your circumstance and situation. What if your yes releases courage in the one around you who is just waiting for a guide to go up the mountain for them? How many know we need examples, models, that's why he's the father of faith, of what it looks like against all odds, against the... Even in spite of the great test and the great adversity and the great cost that it's worth it, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Amen. And God ultimately provided the lamb. Amen. Jesus Christ stood in our place. He took our place. To this you were called, First Peter 2 because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he himself entrusted himself to his father. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we could die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls there was a lamb this ram in the thicket typified and showed us and pointed us to the ultimate man who stood in our place the son of god who laid down his life and now through faith in jesus the ultimate pioneer Hebrews 3, Hebrews 12, we can overcome by faith no matter what comes against us. Who wants to pioneer? Who wants to say, I want to live by faith. I want to live by trusting in 
Jesus. I want to walk by faith. I don't want to live by sight. The righteous live by faith, Romans 1.17. From faith to faith, glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3. 16 through 18. I know there's a story waiting to be written. God is still wanting Genesis 22, 12 moments to happen. Oh, now I know they won't withhold anything from me. I know that I am their prize. I am their reward. They value my promises and my word more than their possessions, their positions, their power, their platform. Their yes to me is the most significant ongoing choice they're willing to make. God is looking to be surprised again. He, I just love it. I mean, how many love surprises? The gift, the joy, the, the good meal, the, the, the hilarious conversation, the, the scenery, the breathtaking sunset. God is a God who loves to be surprised. And nothing moves his heart more than the exchange that we saw between Abraham, Isaac, and God, and ultimately between God and his son, Jesus, when Jesus said, Father, Into your hands. I commit my spirit. This is the hour. This is the moment. We're going to break open the pioneering story for every other pilgrim of faith from here on out. I am the author and the finisher of faith. Those who put their trust in me, they're in their DNA by virtue of their adoption and regeneration of the spirit. They are made to pioneer and to live by conquering, overcoming faith. How many would say that it's time to pioneer? It's time. Faith, Faith will always look like something. And it may look crazy. Daddy, the wood's here. The fire's here. Where's the sack? Son on the mountain, it will be provided. How many would stand and say, I want to pioneer for my family? I want to pioneer. I want to just stand on your feet with me. I want to pioneer for my, my colleagues at work. I want to pioneer personally. I want to pioneer as a church. We want to live by overcoming faith that is demonstrated through concrete, thoughtful, costly, sacrificial yeses. Because the ultimate sacrifice has been paid. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And I love 1 Peter. I just quoted it. But to this you were called that you would follow in the footsteps of Jesus. The ultimate pioneer and perfecter of faith. We overcome not by gritting our teeth, but by staying close to the overcomer. So just talk to Jesus right now. Talk to the Father. Say, I want to pioneer. Just lay your Isaacs down. Whatever it is, lay that thing down. That resistance, that fear, that insecurity, uncertainty. And just go all the way up the mountain because He made a way for us to do it with clean hands and pure hearts. To stand in the holy presence of God to be baptized in His presence and given over and fitted for His purpose in this hour, which is to overcome by faith. By faith. Just spend a few moments right now. Just talk to the Lord. Just say, I, I, you say what you need to say. Just a minute here.
withholding nothing and giving everything. Now I know that you fear God. You've withheld nothing, not even your son. Father, move in our hearts today. Can we just put our hands out like like we're receiving a gift? Lord, I pray this pioneering prayer over our church in this room and those watching online. Father, I pray that we would see your provision on the mountain of the test. Father, I thank you that you've provided the ultimate substitute, Jesus, your son, so that we could live and move and have our being in and through his presence, through his love, through his grace. God, right now, we receive the gift of faith. Come on, faith comes by hearing and hearing about the revelation or the word of Christ. Father, I pray for the seed of faith to be planted in the soil of every heart in this room and those watching online. Father, we are called to pioneer because our king is a pioneer. Jesus is, that's the word, literally in Hebrews 12. Our eyes are fixed on the pioneer, and he's going to finish every pioneering endeavor, every journey of faith, he's going to finish it. He's going to underwrite every story that finds and flows from his very nature, from his word and his purpose. So God, I pray for that that grace and determination to walk by faith and not by sight, even in the great testing and the adversity and opposition. Lord, we receive the gift of faith. Lord, we put our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ this morning. Come on, somebody. That's actually how it's translated. We're saved by the faithfulness of another through Jesus Christ. If we are faithless, 2 Timothy 2, he is faithful because he can never disown himself. So God, our hopes are in the faithful one, the faithfulness of Christ on our behalf so that we could grow and live by faith. So God, I pray you would fill our church with a pioneering spirit. That, God, we would begin to see storylines altered for eternity over households, over businesses, over schools, over young and over old, over male and over female. God, I pray that we would pioneer by faith the story you're wanting to write in and through our yes to your voice and to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen and amen. Hallelujah.